The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Go, go, Sanderson. Here's the payoff pitch. Well, we're here because there is a Game 7 in the National League Championship Series. It's payoff pitch Tuesday, October 24th. 2024 Brendan Glasheen your host joined by our normal Tuesday crew Sean Zarillo and Anthony Debundo. yes we are previewing game seven Phillies and Diamondbacks uh, we will be here not here tomorrow so let's get that housekeeping straightened out we will not be here tomorrow we're gonna take the day off come back on Thursday for a full World Series breakdown the winner of tonight's game takes on the Texas Rangers they blasted the Astros last night in game seven in Houston. And then Friday's episode will be a succinct breakdown of game one specifically. So series thoughts, how we want to look at betting the series as a whole, and just a breakdown of pitching staffs, lineups, bullpens, all that good stuff. Thursday, Friday, game one centric. We'll get starting pitching matchups, of course, and uh, we'll find out how we're going to bet game one of the world series on Friday, but there is business to take care of for tonight. If you haven't done so already, please leave a five-star rating and review because we are looking at those throughout the course of the week and we'll give out another free Action Network Pro one-year account uh, beginning of next week. So if you haven't done that already, please do. You have a chance to get a chance at that. Uh, We are presented by BetMGM, so any odds we reference, we'll have BetMGM alongside. Here we go, DeBundo. Ranger Suarez, Brandon Fott is your pitching matchup tonight at Citizens Bank Park. You were at the ballpark last night. Totals at eight and a half. I saw a bunch of folks from action bet the under, and the Phillies are minus 165 on the money line. Where are you heading for this game tonight? Yeah, so I did bet the under eight and a half. I think it is all too high given the pitching situation and given how I expect this to be managed. Now, the same could have been said last night with the Texas-Houston under. Uh, but I think both of those offenses are operating at a much higher level right now than these offenses in this game. Uh, and I think both bullpens here are in a better position for this game. Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald have pitched 13 playoff innings. They have not allowed a run. So the Diamondbacks eighth and ninth inning guys who will pitch in this game 
at any cost, just about, uh, you know, for run prevention purposes are very, very good. And the Phillies, uh, based on who they threw last night, we can kind of get a blueprint of who is not going to pitch tonight. And that means that Orion Kirkering is unlikely to pitch uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, Craig Kimbrell, uh, and Gregory Soto. So I do expect the Phillies to roll with their four best relievers and potentially Zach Wheeler in a comeback spot here. We saw Jordan Montgomery come in last night in a big spot to get some outs. I think Wheeler's very available for the Phillies in the bullpen and, and Rob Thompson said as much in that game. So uh, in the post game, so the Phillies, you know, with Strom Dominguez, you know, the beauty of this series is that as you get later, you, you figure out who your guys are right now and it's Alvarado it's Strom it's Dominguez uh, for the Phillies and, and Jeff Hoffman. So they know who their four best guys are behind Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, minimum five starts, has the lowest postseason ERA in history. And it's kind of wild when you look at Suarez's profile. He doesn't look like somebody who would dominate hitters. 22% strikeout rate this year, 8% walk rate. Uh, but they had no answer for his changeup in the last meeting. And the Phillies had no answer for Brandon Fott, who has the stuff. You know, Sean and I were just talking off air, and Sean said that he's the highest ceiling on this staff. And I think it's a fair point. Fought completely shut down the Phillies in game three. Uh, the Phillies right now, their approaches at the plate, they're a little over aggressive. And sometimes, you know, it's fun because they hit home runs and we get excited when they swing at the first pitch. But uh, there are downsides to their approach. And right now, the Diamondbacks have a clear plan, and that is to pitch around Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper and to go after Trey Turner, Alec Bohm, and Nick Castellanos. And they've had a ton of success in the majority of this series uh, since it shifted to Arizona in game three in taking those guys out and forcing anybody but Schwarber and Harper to beat them because Schwarber and Harper have been hitting home runs all series. Uh, the rest of the lineup has not been producing Castellanos, Bohm, and Turner especially. So I think there's some real concerns for the Phillies. Their plate approaches getting, you know, overpressed here and, and swinging too much. That was a problem in game one. Uh, it was a problem in game three. It wasn't a problem in game one. It worked for them in game one. It's been a problem in game three, problem in game six. So uh, I do think under eight and a half is too high here. Half run too high. Uh, pretty chilly tonight in Philly as well for the weather. So under eight and a half to start, and then we can dive into some props. And uh, I've got some fun props. So let's let's ride. So Zarillo, when we previewed game three and we were on Brandon Vaught, that was actually a game in which you guys said if there was a side to take that day, it would probably be Arizona. And Brandon Vaught, you've been high on him uh, really this series. He's been their best pitcher. How are you handicapping this one tonight? Yeah, I circled game three before the series to bet the Diamondbacks, and we got plus money, and they closed plus 105 in that game. Phillies minus 125 on the road. So flipping home field, right, for these two teams, same pitching matchup, but flipping home field, you would expect to bet the Phillies at minus 170 or get the Phillies at minus 170. You expect the Diamondbacks around plus 145, and that is roughly where the market is. So it does seem like mostly the game three projection and the game seven projections do align, or that the game three and game seven betting odds do align relative to flipping one home park to another. Uh, and I don't think, you know, unlike game three, right, where we knew nothing about Max Scherzer and we had a little bit more information on him heading into game seven, game three of this series, we kind of thought that the Phillies might be aggressive or we, we thought the Phillies might have a longer leash with Ranger Suarez and let him go a little bit longer. And that's exactly what happened tonight. I think you anticipate that they shorten him up again a little bit and don't let him pitch through trouble. So factoring in more of the bullpens for these two teams does increase my chances for Philadelphia relative to that last game by about 1%, 1.5% if they're going to use their bullpen just a touch more aggressively. But that said, I showed value on Arizona in game three, and I show value on Arizona here. I like Arizona at plus 140 or better. 
I'm just, again, not in a position to bet it. Same position I was in yesterday with the Diamondbacks minus one and, or the Phillies minus one and a half series ticket. I have Phillies pennant features and I could hedge out of that. But basically, hedging is going to take away enough of a percentage of my profit that I don't necessarily want to do that. It's a quarter unit bet at seven to one, which is going to return two units. So we're 2.25 units, including the initial risk. So really do not want to hedge out of that. Uh, but if you do not have a side coming into the game, if you do not have any bets coming into the game, just like game six, I think the Diamondbacks are a value side. Just in game six, it was very obvious they were a value side because of the pricing discrepancy relative to game two. We talked about yesterday, they closed plus 140 in game two. You were getting plus 160 yesterday. Now you're basically getting the same price you should have gotten in game two, assuming there's, or game three, assuming this game would have been in Philadelphia. And there's really no adjustment. And I do lean slightly more to Philadelphia today, but I still show value in Arizona. So that is uh, my story in terms of the side. For game seven, it's just a little bit more bullpens, going to help the Phillies by about 1%, but the little bit of bullpens too, also going to help the under, as Anthony talked about. On top of the weather, this game would have taken place at five o'clock yesterday. Today, it's taking place at eight o'clock. So temperatures into the 50s instead of being in the low 60s, just a little bit cooler. Um, but all of that points to the under. And I, I made this total about 7.75. So under eight and a half to minus 120, under eight, at even money, both fine for me for bets. We'll talk about props in a second, but Diamondbacks and the under, uh, the value sides for game seven, the under the one I'm betting, obviously for reasons I mentioned regarding my futures. But yeah, absolutely think there's value on Fott and the Diamondbacks today. And I think as soon as next year, Fott is going to be their best pitcher. He has the best stuff. 41% called strike plus whiff rate in that start against the Phillies. He was absolutely elite. And uh, he, he definitely put some fear in me tonight considering how live his arm is i mean yes the lowest floor given his command amongst kelly and gallon but definitely the highest ceiling too because he is the best stuff of the three so depends on how good that command is on a night-to-night -night basis but fought seems to be locked in right now if you want to go into when... the narratives like the oh the rookie on the road in game seven that will mm -hmm. be interesting i mean the first inning is very important because if he gives up a couple of walks and pitches around schwerber and harper the Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott at bats become extremely important, keeping the crowd in it. Uh, you know, can either of them get a hit in the series? Uh, that moment feels like a big one, and I feel like it's right. If he's in the very, same, it's going to come very early in the first, first inning. inning last night. It feels like a much different moment with a rookie on the mound than a guy who started for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. So exactly, yeah, different pressure. Debundo, when you look at, uh, you mentioned that the possibility of Wheeler being available, 99 pitches in games, uh, uh, game five, pardon me, in Arizona, he'd pitch on, this would be what, he'd pitch on two days rest, right? Because he pitched mm -hmm. on Friday or yeah, Saturday. it's throwing day. It's throwing day, exactly. So the right. Phillies did this and have done this in the past, right? So Ranger Suarez uh, started game three uh, of the NLCS last year and then pitched an inning two two thirds of an inning he, he got them on two pitches but pitched two thirds of an inning to close game five of the nlcs last year uh they then used suarez in game one for an inning of the world series and then he started game three two days later so they are willing to use guys on their throwing day uh you know i'm not expecting wheeler to go madison bumgarner here but <laughs> i think it's a very real possibility that if they need an inning late uh that he's going to come throw it uh, maybe even okay. two so i think that that that's on the on the cards and and you know wheeler's been best pitcher in the playoffs. So uh, that, that certainly would make Phillies fans feel better, but you know, it is different coming out of the bullpen versus 
starting a game for, for somebody who's so used to routine and has talked in the past about how important, you know, throwing every five days is for them as a starter. So uh, there is some risk to that, but certainly if it's the ninth inning and Wheeler's coming in, I will feel personally pretty confident about the Phillies if they have a lead. D-backs used eight pitchers, a bullpen day in game number four, and they tied the series uh, with the 6-5 win. I'm curious, what just before we get to props, what would be the bridge for the Diamondbacks from Fott? Would they go to a starter? Like we saw Montgomery last night for the Rangers, but what's the faith uh, for Lavello in the middle the middle innings to bridge to the back end of their bullpen? Or could they go exactly what they did in game four and use a bunch of those guys that pitched in that game? Because they all pitched okay. So yeah, I mean, at I this think, point, they have, yeah. they have multiple guys who have pitched three out of the fast four days, and that's always something to look at. You know, a lot of times people see the uh the pitching back-to-back days right that's the normal or pitching three consecutive days you're not going to get a guy yeah. on the fourth day but three out of four days does become a little troublesome um but they they've managed their bullpen really well like ginkle's gone three out of five days seawald three out of five days thompson three out of five days so there's really nobody in the diamondbacks bullpen that they should have issue pushing today they can basically just run back the same reliever usage that they had in game six so yeah i, th- I think the the diamondbacks actually with the way game game six played out uh it might have been slightly more to their benefit granted the phillies don't really have anybody who would be on three and five days either so they kind of have their choice but making the bullpens uh equally rested for game seven was not something i expected i thought arizona would have to go more aggressively into their bullpen in games three through five at home and really have that thing worn out by the time they were headed back to Philly. So the fact that you're incorporating more bullpens, right, and increased my projection for the Phillies, but also by this point in the series, I didn't think the Diamondbacks would be at a similar rest advantage that the Phillies have. So that kind of neutralizes things as well. So okay. maybe I projected a bigger bullpen edge for the Phillies in game seven than we are actually getting. Yeah, the fact is, like, the Phillies, the, the two games they won were pretty much uncompetitive. Uh, so the Diamondbacks did not use anybody in game five mm-hmm. who was meaningful. Uh, and that means that, you know, Seawald and Ginkle and Thompson and Mantiply and Sal Frank, those are the five that they trust the most, I think, based on how this is going. I would expect, you know, Thompson and Ginkle and Seawald to take three of the innings and then Mantiply slash Sal Frank to take that lefty pocket whenever it comes up in the order for the Phillies with Marsh, Schwarber, Harper, eight, one, three. So they can kind of play around with that. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is like they like their righties against the Phillies righties a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that scares me personally, because they can pitch around the lefties and then just go after the righties. If Turner and Bohm doesn't get a big hit tonight, I think the Phillies are in big, big trouble. Payoff pitch presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. It must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Brandon Fott outs prop at 11 and a half at BetMGM. Ranger Suarez, 10 and a half. I know you've both mentioned uh, walks. Bryce Harper, over a half walk, minus 105. Schwarber is juiced to minus 140. I'll go to DeBundo first, then Zarillo. What direction? Pitching, batters, where would you like to go in the prop market? Yeah, so I took some Brandon Fott under four and a half minus 145 at BetMGM just before we started recording. Sean and I were discussing this. Strikeouts, yes. I don't know how this number exists given the situation. You know, Fott was a strikeout per inning guy this year. And like, no matter what you think of his first start in the, in the, uh, his last start in the playoffs against the Phillies, as good as it was, 
we've seen him, you know, pitch to contact against the Dodgers and still get outs and be effective. We've seen him struggle with command again, Milwaukee in the playoffs. Like you can't just look at one start for a guy and say, this is the guy he is. Uh, that was a ceiling level start for, for Fod, even though, you know, we're all fans of him. So at four and a half strikeouts, as for a guy who averages a strikeout per inning, whose outs total is at, you know, 11 and a half, like he would need to throw to go over this number more often than not five innings. Uh, and so I don't really see how, if he's going to pitch around Schwarber, which I think is very possible, and he's going to pitch around Harper, especially with Schwarber being like the best strikeout opportunity in the lineup. How does he get to uh, this number? Uh, unless he's just absolutely dealing, dealing, and then I tip my cap to him. So I think this number's high. I think the way the game sevens are managed, like you mentioned, Sean, guys like Miguel Castro and Frias are rested. So if he gets in trouble in the fourth inning, we're going to see them come in. Um, so I, I think that Fod under four and a half is probably my favorite prop today. Uh, and, and that's one that you know I just bet as a result. Also, you can bet uh, it's 10 to one, me to not survive the game. That's a novelty prop. Uh, as my stress levels are rapidly rising. Did you bring a glass of milk to the podcast this morning? I did not. No milk today. It was a big subject of conversation, but uh, I am I have not had breakfast yet, so I'm I'm just. Well, I can't recall because all these games now just mesh together in my brain. But when you had the glass of milk, did the Phillies win that day? You don't I believe they lost. I think it was Friday night, right? It was Friday so, night. Yeah, yeah. Campbell night. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Brandon fought. Uh, the under four and a half strikeouts is juiced to minus 145. Zarillo, you're on Bryce Harper once again to walk. Yeah, I've been on Harper to walk in every game of this series. And as Anthony mentioned, I think it's been very obvious with how the Diamondbacks have pitched him, how they're pitching Kyle Schwarber, looking to get around those guys and then attack the hitters who are less hot in the lineup, like Nick Castellanos, who is 0 for 16 with 8Ks in his last 16 appearances, I believe. Uh, JT Real Muto getting an occasional hit, but not really doing much. Rohan, Johan Rojas giving them absolutely nothing at the bottom of the lineup. So good approach by the Diamondbacks, not letting the best hitters beat you. Um, with regards to other props, and I, I like that Harper walk prop up to about minus 140. Uh, they just continue to put him in three ball counts. And sometimes he's swinging at pitches outside of the zone on 3-2. Sometimes he's swinging at pitches down the middle, 3-0. And, uh, you know, getting out of situations where he's trying to be walked or they're trying to pitch around him, but... We can't control that. We can just control the situations where we think we'll get three ball counts. And he's in three ball counts every night. So Harper to walk up to minus 140 as it's been all series. Uh, on the strikeout props for Fott, I want to bring up where the lines are today. But for game three, Brandon Fott under 10 and a half outs, closed minus 105. Under three and a half strikeouts, closed minus 110. For today, you can bet under 10 and a half outs for Fott at or sorry 11 and a half outs were fought at minus 150 so his outs prop went up about one out and 35 cents but his strikeout prop also went up from three and a half to four and a half and the under went from minus 110 to about minus 140 minus 150 so i do think you know tacking an extra out onto fots uh his outs recorded prop for today i don't think that justifies another k and the same amount of juice being factored into the line. Basically, they moved it up a full out and factored in all that juice, but they also moved it up a full strikeout and factored in all the juice. So I think both lines moving up together by one with the same amount of juice is probably too much of a correlation. Like it should be moving up. The strikeout prop should be moving up 
about 30, 35, 40% of the pricing that the outs prop is moving up. They shouldn't be both moving up together a full number and then 30 cents on top of that. So I do agree with Anthony uh, where Fott's outs recorded prop is at 11 and a half. A lot would have to go right for him to get four and a half strikeouts. I know he was great in that game three, 41% called strike plus whiff rate. As I said, I think he is their highest upside starter, but also they're going to be pitching around guys. He was very aggressive against Kyle Schwarber in game three, by the way. Why did not bet Schwarber props, Schwarber over props for walks? Um, they've been pitching around Schwarber. Fought actually went right after him. I thought that was interesting. And it does make sense intuitively, um, especially the first step out of the game. Why walk the leadoff hitter? Like, I'd rather fall behind one nothing than put Schwarber on with nobody out and let the Phillies get a rally going. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll continue to be aggressive with Schwarber, especially in the first step out of the game. Never know who's going to be on when Schwarber comes up a second time, but fought under case uh, under four and a half. I think I'd, I think I'd bet that up to minus 150. I think that's fine. Um, and then Ranger Suarez, I also wanted to mention. Bit more difficult to get a feel for his pitching usage tonight. I was trying to think about when he might come out of the game earliest, and it's probably 11 hitters. I don't know if they're going to be that aggressive with him because, as Anthony said, there's like four relievers that they trust at this point. I don't know how deep you want to go into your bullpen, and Suarez has been pretty good in the playoffs. So maybe they're just going to let him roll for as long as he's pitching well and they're done with the scripted games thing for Ranger Suarez. He's he's proven that he's been very solid. Um, so I'm, I'm less inclined to just bet Suarez unders, assuming they're going to play a scripted game. But if they do script it, it's probably going to be 11 hitters. He's probably coming out after he sees Gorman Carroll a second time. So uh, 10 hitters, 11 hitters, whether Carroll's hitting first or second. Uh, that is the minimum that I think Suarez goes tonight, but it's also potentially the maximum too. I just, I think Anthony, do you, do you have a better feel for how deep Suarez goes into this game? Is it going to be a batter by batter thing? Yes. Batter by batter. Um, yeah. the, the, the thing is that, you know, if, if he's in trouble, trouble, he probably, you know, like they, they will get him out, right? If he's gives up multiple runs early, like, yeah, he's out. But like, if, <clears throat> if a big spot comes up and he gets through the inning, I think they'll push him for another clean inning. Uh, like okay. that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, the, the, the reason that I think they have a little more faith is just how good the changeup was in game three, which I talked about, you know, his ability to get righties with the changeup is really important against this lineup because they have so many right-handed bats. Uh, one right. interesting angle, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but uh, Cattell Marte, sh should we start looking into his walk props or the Phillies going to have to pitch around him because he has been lighting up the series. You can't platoon him. Uh, and, you know, there could be a situation where there's a lefty, uh, with Carroll on deck, and they're going to go after Carroll instead of Marte, given how they've hit this series. I'm not sure, but I think you know maybe Marte walks is a good way to go about it. He's the only guy that's really consistently crushing the ball for Arizona. He's eight uh, of eighteen too against Suarez in his career. Yeah, and, he and he's gotten really hit in every playoff game he's ever been in. I believe he has a 15 game playoff hitting streak. Yep, and he hit the ball really well off Suarez in Game Three. He was the only guy that really did anything. Uh, right, he had that leadoff double in the sixth. The, the max, I think, for Suarez reasonably is 20 batters. Um, you know, we will look... I think I think if you want to play the Suarez strikeout prop, you almost want to play alts. Like, don't lay the juice on two and a half, but play like a four and a half. Because if he's really good, he goes and like, and like pitches like he did in game three, he'll go way over. Mm. Uh, but if he's... If you're like teetering on two to three and it's like, oh, he's in the third, he's kind of struggling, then like you didn't want the over two and a half at minus 180 anyway. So I, I think that, you know, the way to play Ranger is probably alts. Because if he is really, really good again, then he can get these guys out. I mean, it's it's crazy to me that Fott and Suarez, and I know the Phillies strike out more than the 
Braves do, or than the Diamondbacks do. But it's crazy to me that the Suarez prop is two and a half juiced over and the Fott prop is four and a half juiced under with them having about the same number of outs. Uh, you know, so I think it's a little surprising to me given how they pitched the season. So uh, if you like Suarez, I like alt overs. I like the Fott under. I think the market, you know, should be around three, three and a half for both guys. Yeah, I think the Suarez props are really tough to bet today. Um, I think I think it's pretty obvious that the Diamondbacks are going to be aggressive with their bullpen again, especially with what they did to Kelly yesterday. Like, oh, that not was letting beautiful. Him... That was so, so odd. The, the you know, under you, 15 you, and a half. But you leave him in for Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper a third time, which has been the problem all series. He gets through those guys with strikeouts, and then you pull him. I just don't – I don't get it. I just don't he get the why plan. you let he him trusted see the them plan. Time. What's that? They had the plan. They wanted to use. They had their four guys. They knew they were going to use. Yeah. At yeah, that point, though, it's like situational it's thing. Arizona didn't really make sense to me. Um, I mean, Thompson. Thompson's played matchups a little weird with the Diamondbacks hitters too throughout the series. Like not bringing in lefties to face lefties, and then bringing in lefties for the string of righties in the Diamondbacks lineup. It you you felt some moments where it's like, why is he playing the matchups as he is? Right. Yeah. Now there will be there will be some. Uh hand wringing over game four if the Phillies do not win tonight. That is for sure. Uh, but it really comes down to the offense. And I think that's going to be the story if they go down quietly tonight. Uh, because, uh, you know, this is the home voodoo. The Phillies at home, we're not supposed to lose games in our own park. So losing two uh, at home would be a, a real gut punch for Phillies backers and fans alike. So how do the righties get right at the plate? Stop chasing. Stop chasing. Well, that's yeah. who they are, though. Right. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the beauty of it. That that's the beauty of the Phillies, though, and that's why they're a very frustrating regular season team, right? Like they go through these stretches where they can't hit, uh, and they look awful at the plate, and then they get hot, red hot for like three weeks, and then everybody's like, "This is the greatest team of all time." And if you can sync up the hot run with the playoff run, when they lock in, then you can have this kind of situation. But you know, you see the warts and the flaws in the approach. That you know, the two guys who who take their walks, Schwarber and Harper, uh, are the two guys who. Uh, are the, are the two best hitters? So it, it has come to pass now with Castellanos, Turner, and, and Bohm, and even Stott. Stott striking out thirty percent in the playoffs. By the way, best hit tool on the team and and two strike hitter in baseball this year. Thirty percent strikeout rate in the playoffs. So that just gets to the point of like the chase. It's been unbelievable. And the Diamondbacks are more disciplined. They don't have as much power though. Like if you pull up the odds board for the home run odds for tonight, the first five players listed are all Phillies. So that kind of gets to the other point, which is just like yeah. The Phillies like are going to hit the ball out of the park more, but on an at bat to a bat basis, this Diamondbacks lineup is better at working counts, better at working at bats. Solo so, shots, yeah. And then there, nobody's ever on base for the Phillies, so uh, that's tough. That Castellanos so. homer was—I uh, feel like the only one they've had that was a two-run shot, or it was a real Muto, but they, they had a two-run shot, yep. and that's the only one they've had all series. The rest of them have been solo shots. So yeah, there's nobody ever on base because it's Harper or Schwarber hitting the home runs. And then nobody else does anything. Um, you know, I, I think they need to be really patient against Fall tonight. I do. Yeah, um, I'm looking do at his pitching log for game three, and it's a mess. The, there's so many pitches that are outside of the strike zone, like, yep. and not even close to the zone, like way inside, way low, way outside. Uh, he's either in the zone or completely wide of the zone. There's not much in the shadow zone. It's either in or out. And he has great stuff and he gets guys to, to swing through it when it's in the zone. And I would imagine a lot of the stuff that is way out of the zone are just sweepers that are like have incredible break that look like they're going to be strikes for quite a while. So it doesn't look as dramatic as the, the pitching chart actually shows based on where the ball's ending up. 
Uh, but I would be incredibly patient tonight. I'd make that kid throw strikes. And uh, and that's the thing for me. It's that, you know, do they do they reset here and lock in? And it's possible. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, you know, do you look at a five over one and a half, especially with how we expect in a pitch to Harper? Uh, that is something that I think is, is is worth it. Plus 170 out there. If you really want to get into it with the FOT uh, walks and, and you lean into the fact that he can get a little erratic and, you know, this is a road start for him. He did make his last two starts against the Dodgers and the Phillies at home. Uh, his other road start, he really did struggle with command early. The Brewers, a much more patient lineup, uh, walked a bunch and then hit a big homer on him. So, you know, there are flaws. I mean, Brandon Fott is very good. We all like him. We're speaking relatively here. Uh, you know, he still is not, he's not, uh, exactly Randy Johnson. So, you know, there's going to be, uh, the first inning is so important. And hasn't, hasn't pitched much in weather. That's not climate controlled, 70 degrees, good weather. I mean, it's not like we're getting 50 degrees, 45 degrees here in Philly tonight, but it's still 10, 12 degrees, 14 degrees use colder than he's used to pitching in. Maybe the grip's a little bit off, you know, there's, there's things that, you cannot quantify as readily that do factor into home field advantage. And, uh, you know, you, you add up, right. The game seven rookie of the road, 13th rookie, I believe ever to start a game seven, uh, for either ALCS NLCS or the world series. Um, you know, so you add in the rookie factor, the pressure home field advantage for Philly, uh, you know, the, the home run issue, all of that stuff definitely adds up at some point, but yeah, I think fought being on the road versus at home. It's, it's a bit of a different game for him. And I think the grip on the ball, uh, that, that may have some sort of an impact tonight. And yeah, that, that kind of leads me to wanting about these wall crops too. If his command is just going to be, you know, a hair off from where it was last game. The D backs did tally some stolen bases as we mm-hmm. wondered as this series went on, would they get their running game? We mentioned this before, yesterday's game six with the diamondbacks speaking of doing what they do well would they get their running game going zarello how do you handicap this is my last question i think i think we're good to go but what what's your outlook of the running game and how it impacts tonight's game well they're not going to run a ranger suarez suarez has allowed i think like 19 stolen base attempts for his entire career so they're not going to run on him but and that's another reason craig kimbrell will not be in this game like if you if they get a walk against Kimbrel, it's a double. So you just you can't pitch Kimbrel against this team, regardless of even whether he was effective. It's the base running dynamics against him make every situation a nightmare. Um, so it's something to watch out for, certainly. And I obviously is a Phillies better. I don't love seeing the Diamondbacks run, but as a baseball fan and as somebody who wants teams to play to their optimal win condition, I'm glad that they ran last night. They, they put the Phillies down, right. And they got them in a situation where they were uncomfortable and they felt confident. Okay. We don't necessarily need these runs, but we can put pressure on them to put this game away. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, you know, you get the Phillies thinking about coming back, right. And just going out by out on the pitching side, but then you start running on them and giving them things to think about. And it opened the game up a little bit. So uh, yes, they're going to have to run on the right-handed relievers tonight. I, I haven't looked into the stolen base rates for, you know, Hoffman and Dominguez and guys like that, but, uh, it's not going to be Suarez and it's not going to be in the early innings. So look for the Diamondbacks to get aggressive later in the game. I don't know if there's any books that allow you to bet live stolen base props. I know there's some books that let you bet live prop markets, but if you go about live stolen base props and those numbers float up as the game, you know, keeps going along, I'd, I'd consider poking something in the later innings or, you know, once Suarez is out of the game, I think. Their chances of stealing will dramatically increase. 
Okay. Bundo, what's your plan for the day? You're going to take a nap or drink heavily? Like, what's the plan? What are you doing? No drinking for me. Uh, I will be uh, watching Champions League oh, soccer. Oh, you can drink milk. I mean, I didn't say what you had to drink. I just <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, I will be uh, on the couch quietly enjoying the game tonight. Uh, and by enjoying, I mean going through torture for three hours. This is the first. Did you know this, Brendan? I heard Phillies. this. I know what you're going to say, but I heard this yeah. and I couldn't believe it. I heard this last night. Go ahead. Yeah. So the Phillies have been around since 1883. They were established uh, just at the reconstruction, which is wild. And they have never played in the history of their franchise. They see a game seven, yep. 140 years of Phillies baseball. And they have never played in a game seven. So this, this is uncharted territory for the, for the city and for the team. And uh, we're very excited. If you were going to bet a steel prop, I mean, it's Bryce Harper. He's the most likely guy to be on first with two contact hitters behind him. The Phillies like to steal with two outs, two strikes. They like to steal with two strikes in general, try like a hit and run type thing. Uh, so, you know, you can find as high as seven plus 750 on him. He's the most likely um, value bet just because I think the books are kind of not shading him down enough given how likely he is to be standing on first base uh, at multiple times in this game. So that's the key for me with, with steals. As far as my thing, you know, we've got Champions League from three to five got some other writing I need to get done. I'm trying to keep my mind off baseball. I'm going to listen to calming music uh, and try to, you know, get through it. So it's exciting. It's exciting. And uh, if you told me at the beginning of the year, the Phillies were going to play a game seven, of the NLCS at home, I would have signed up and laughed at you because I didn't think that, that would happen. So here we are. That's fair. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Now, if, if they win, will you like go into town or no, no, okay. not tonight. No. Just, just we, we, we got, we got business to take care of. Uh, Four more if they went. To oh the no, that was no, that was the Astros' approach after winning the uh, the division. They didn't celebrate. The Rangers celebrated. So you got to celebrate. And look, look how that worked out for them. No, yeah, I mean, you there, celebrate. Will be, there will be parties on Broad Street tonight if they win. One hundred percent. I just will not be partaking in said parties. Okay. Once again, we will not have an episode tomorrow, and that's whether they lose or not. It's not because Debundo's running away. We're just not having an episode. We're going to take the day off tomorrow. We'll come back Thursday for a World Series preview, Rangers v. Phillies or Diamondbacks, and then Friday will be a Game 1 Best Bets specific episode. Thanks for tuning in all year long, everybody. We have more coming on Thursday for Zarillo and DeBundo. Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. Don't forget, leave a five-star rating and review for a chance at a one-year free subscription to Action Pro. Enjoy Game 7, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.